0: Hello everyone, welcome to the CrossFit Games Final Preview Show on the Fantasy Fitnessing Podcast. My name is Dave and with me as always is Catherine. Hi guys. Before we get going, we wanted to invite all of you to join us and play our free Fantasy CrossFit Game for the CrossFit Games Final. enter, simply select your podium finishers on the men and women's division. For each correct selection, your own points and the team with the highest points at the end of the weekend wins. Get all your friends from your local box to create a team and compete on a special affiliate leaderboard and see how you stack up against the world on our global leaderboard. For this event, a special thanks to United Lifters for sponsoring this event and offering a $100 gift card to their store for the winner of the global leaderboard. You can check them out at unitedlifters.com or on Instagram at unitedlifters.
1: So just log on to fantasyfitnessscene.com and pick your podium. Just a little rundown of all the athletes that are in stage two of the CrossFit finals that you can choose from. So we have Tia Claire Toomey, Brooke Wells, Haley Adams, Katrin David's Daughter, and Carrie Pierce. They qualified in that order coming in. And for the men, we have Matt Fraser, Noah Olson, Justin Madero, Samuel Quant, and Jeffrey Adler. Just in case some of you didn't know the athletes that are going on to the next stage, that is them.
0: For the finals, they've done a little bit different scoring system that we might have been used to from some of the larger events with just five individuals. So for a first-place finish, it's 100 points. Second place, 75 points. Third gets 55 points. Fourth gets 35 points. And fifth place on the CrossFit Games site has 15-0 they haven't really clarified what cases 15 and what cases 0 can be used. Um, my assumption would be that 15 points will be the 5th place finisher, and you might get 0 if you fail to complete an event within the time cap, but that's just pure speculation at this point.
1: I think the 0 might be for minimum work requirement in an event, that like, you might get a ta- cap, but if you don't even hit the minimum, no. then yeah. you'll probably get 0.
0: And I guess to so, uh, another really important thing going into the final week in a competition is that they have reset the points going into the final. So any of the points that the athletes earned in the online portion of the CrossFit Games, that's been wiped clean. Everybody's starting at zero uh, and it's a brand new competition from here.
1: Yep, so it's brand new and the dates have just been updated for it. Um, It's going to be held The 23rd to the 25th, and Dave Castro confirmed that we can expect to see three days of competition. There's a number of viewing windows for what we hope will be a live feed of the competition. It can be found at the game site at games.crossfit.com. And I believe CBS is also covering it. I don't know which channel specifically on that. Do you?
0: Yeah, I think it's the CBS Sports site. Uh, All the different streaming options are available on the games at uh, CrossFit.com site. I think Facebook Watch is an option as well as YouTube. Um, So there are different options available um, in addition to, I think, a portion of the Saturday events will be on CBS. You know, with most of the, the schedule issues now cemented, why don't we jump in and talk about the men's side of the field for a bit?
1: That sounds good.
0: You know, one of the obviously one of the big changes from the online portion is moving back to an in-person competition, which um, I think the last one or major one that we saw was Palooza. And, you know, looking at this um, and comparing it to the online portion, in at least in my opinion, being, you know, there, being able to see your opponents um, or other competitors are on the field will start to shape um, decisions more. And on the men's side, just due to such a, you know, a stark difference in, you know, experience level, you know, having that in-person competition to me, think, tilts it more to, you know, the Frazier and Olsen side of the, you know, the spectrum is a bit of an advantage for them um, to help, you know, start to pace their weekend a bit.
1: Yeah, I think there's a massive advantage, like the social media posts we put up, like they have years of experience over the other guys. Like Justin Medeiros is a rookie. The other two were the games for one year. So there's a massive difference between the field on that one.
0: Yeah, and I just, as they, you know, go over, you know, multiple days working out together, being able to, you know, slow down your pace if you're in a massive lead, I'll, I think will certainly help you know, as people conserve energy between events, you know, you're not going in an online portion where you're kind of in isolation. Your only option is to go full send. And, you know, if you, if you want to have an event, you need to give it, you know, 110% and go until you're done. So, you know, if we take a look at friendly friend, for example, with, you know, Frazier coming in 47 seconds ahead of Olson in online or in the in-person format, you know, that's probably going to be 20 seconds. So Frazier has another 27 or, you know, a little bit more energy, you know, to apply to whether it's the row or the front squad or, you know, whatever else comes next in that day. That to me, I think is going to be a big differentiator.
1: Yeah, definitely. The fact it will be in person. will give those couple guys a leg up. What's another factor that you think will affect the men's side?
0: You know, with Dave Castro talking about this being the hardest games ever, um, and I guess it will be about four weeks um, between the online portion and the and the, the games or the in-person games. You know, I think, you know, the ability to recover is going to play a huge um, component in this. And so, you know, having those two events within four weeks um, is not something that any of these athletes are used to. Um, if we are having four or five events a day, if they're going to be long, intense events, or you know a bunch of couplets back and back, being able to recover is going to be a, you know a differentiator as the week or weekend goes on.
1: So, do you think that the recovery differentiator will people that like Matt that has this like locked down? Obviously, he knows how to recover and has all the tips and tricks. Or do you think it's like age that's going to take it on the recovery?
0: Well, I think it'll be a bit of both. Um, having Matt Fraser, you know, him knowing and having all the the tools um, will help in line. But, you know, at another point, you know, having Justin Maderos coming in at twenty one, you know, there's just something that's going to be within that nine nine years age difference that being twenty one is just going to help your your body's just going to recover faster, um, regardless. So. You know, to me, with this one, I would put the advantage at Frazier, who, you know, seems to have everything, you know, down to a science, and uh, a bit of Maderos, who just has some youth on his side.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Matt's got the recovery down, seeing him in between, like, ringer one and ringer two. I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, the age spread is, like, 21 to 30, which is fairly big. Twenty one's pretty young compared to 30. Um, The one thing I find really interesting is that, like, the entire men's field is within 10 pounds kind of thing, even though they range from, like, 5'7 to 5'11. Yeah, so there's not really a lot of... There's no really tall guys. There's no one that's busted over that six-foot mark. There's no really little guys. So it's pretty even keel on the size of things.
0: As we see more, you know, sponsorship and prize money going into CrossFit and more people dedicating... You know, their early part of their careers to it. I think what we're seeing just with this, you know, short um or narrow range of, you know, height and weight that we're starting to see, see what the a stereotypical professional crossfitter ends up being. Um similar to say a running back in the NFL who's, you know, in that, you know, five ten to six one range and is two oh five to two twenty five. I think at least on the men's side, this is this may be what a professional CrossFitter looks like.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, that it's kind of settling out to this is what the top of the pack kind of build, optimal build would be. So I think another thing that's sort of differentiating between some of the men's field is like their training coach situation. Um, everyone knows Matt and Tia are working out together, it's been a couple of years now. It seems to be working really, really well for them. Um, Noel Olson's had a longtime coach at Training Think Tank, and he used to have the training partner with Travis Mayer. So he's got that solid coach and support elite athletes around him to train with. And then Justin Medeiros has Adam Nefer in CF Fort Vancouver, and seems to be a great bond going on with the two of them that they're having a lot of fun and in the process, which I think is part of what makes people successful with it. So those three three guys seem to have that set up aced. Um, the other two guys, it's a bit harder to sort of know what their full training situation is. Sam Quant, I believe, is following Comp Train. And Jeffrey Adler is working out at CrossFit Wonderland. There's nothing that I can find that really shows they have like a team of training people around them. So it just seems a bit different.
0: Yeah, certainly with the the first, well, three that you mentioned, I guess, you know, talking about the Matt and Tia arrangement. um, I imagine it was on one of the Buttery Bros uh, episodes. You know, Matt was just talking about that training partnership that they've developed over the last couple of years and not. Having any concerns that the person you're training with is going to beat you in competition, you're just um, you know knowing that they're both going to push each other as far as they can, but once they hit the competition floor they're they're not competing against each other, so there isn't that doubt in the back of your mind um for justin Medeiros to to have your coach alongside with you i I think that gives an advantage, especially at you know for a younger athlete who's still working on things like form um, and technique to to have that constant, you know, feedback in person that, um, you know, he might be training on his own, but, you know, if the coach is, you know, in the office or just in there and see something, you'll have that opportunity to point that out, whereas is, um, Sam Quant, if he's following comp training program, you know, on his own um, at a different affiliate, he won't necessarily have that feedback as much as, um, you know, working in person with your coach.
1: And the one thing about, like, in terms of people around Justin Menderos, I believe that CrossFit Fort Vancouver's had teams like Podium and that at the Games. So I think there is quite an elite sort of team feel that could possibly be training around him there.
0: Yeah, and I uh, guess, you know, Olsen and um, training Think Tank is put together a little bit of a training camp for him ahead of time. Um, you know, I don't know who Noel Olson trains with on a regular basis, kind of through the, the general portion of the season, but, you know, having a, a group to push him in a kind of a mock live performance or live uh, competition type of uh, atmosphere will hopefully kind of give that boost since, you know, it's been six months since an in-person competition to help, um, you know, strategize a bit.
1: Yeah, kick some of the cobwebs off. Okay, I think that's sort of the men's side. Now to switch over to the women. We can keep kind of looking at it from like the training partner, coach atmosphere, just for continuity. And Matt and Tia obviously are together, both of them taking first place in stage one. I think the setup's working. And then Katrin's doing comp train, but she's in New England with Ben Bergeron. Haley Adams is at Mayhem. So she's again got like elite people around her. Um, Carrie Pierce actually moved from New York to Vegas to be with her coach. And then she has a new training partner there that's one of the Masters male athletes. So again, it's that male to female um, comparison that they can push, but they're not competitive. And then Brooke moved to Tennessee, and she's been working out with Street Horner and Will Morad for, I think, around two months. Again, men versus women, they're not... They can each build and bring each other up, so they don't need to worry about competing down the road. So it seems like everyone on the women's side has an interesting, like, setup with coaches and training partners.
0: Yeah, and definitely this... This group of five has built a system that allows them to train at their max um, you know with Carrie you know m- relocating um, in one of the talking elite uh, final five pocket podcast you know she mentioned just within New York you know a lot of times she was training on her own or didn't have a you know workout partner or somebody who just drop in on a random basis but you know moving to Vegas and having a dedicated training partner um, has you know, helped her and pushed her uh, a lot this year.
1: Yeah, and New York has gyms. I think are still closed, so yeah. I think moving to Vegas also opened the possibility of being at a gym, mm-hmm. which is highly advantageous. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the one of the changes areas we'll have um, with just being the top five in an in person competition is just kind of the 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 feeling that it's going to be. Um, with some of the events you know when you're a heat of 10 or even with multiple heats you can you know know that at least there's most likely somebody kind of in your ballpark but you know with only five athletes it's going to be really easy to to fall behind if you know you get tripped up in a an event or it's not necessarily in your wheelhouse so you know at least with on the women's side i think mental toughness is going to come in a lot more in play um versus the men's side just because I think the men's side's more cut and dry of kind of the top tier versus the second tier where on the women's side it's going to be more of a competition at least in my opinion and so it's going to come down to mental toughness who is going to be able to forget the last event where they might have finished last on and start with a clean slate um who's gonna you know not have to worry about that who's gonna be able to just you know move on you know and make that changes and just start fresh each event and give it their all versus um you know being kind of stuck in the mud and you know down based off the last couple of results
1: yeah i think that's gonna be big and the interesting part is that like none of these athletes are very used to being last but every event somebody's gonna be last and like second last and that's not where any of these um, athletes are comfortable being. Like, they're obviously the top five. They are some of the fittest people on the planet. But, yeah, I think mental toughness will be huge because you need to come back from, yeah, like a last place. It's not just like a bad placing. It's There's a literal name for it. It's called yeah. last. So, yeah, I think the mental toughness side on that for sure to shake it off and move forward they always have to shake it off but i think it'll sting a bit more
0: yeah you can see you know let's call the you know the trail runner the the sandbag carry you know it could you know depending on how it goes somebody could end up you know minute behind and you know that's going to be a huge gap a noticeable gap when you know there's Probably going to be 10 athletes running a course versus, you know, last year in the ruck run where there was 80 athletes or, you know, 100 athletes on the field. So, um, you know, just to be able to, to have that mental focus to drive forward will, will be a differentiator, I think.
1: Yeah, there'll be like the athletes that avoid the leaderboard won't really be able to avoid yeah. the leaderboard because really simple math. Of where you're placing mm-hmm. can kind of tell you where you sit, whereas before you would not know like where other heats go in and where things nestle out that you could like, be blissfully unaware. But I don't think anyone can be unaware yeah. when there's only five athletes.
0: Yeah, it'll be uh pretty clear. Uh, and another thing, at least from my perspective, that I think will determine the out or the outcome of the women's side. It's going to be the event composition.
1: Yeah, I think depending on how the events play out will definitely have an impact. But that's why after every competition, there's the debate of whether it was the best test, whether they got all of the things tested. And it's going to be really interesting to see how all the events come out, given what they've already been tested in but the points from what they've already been tested in aren't being brought forward. So if they're just like filling holes from those events, it could be really different than actually what a normal games would be because some of the things in stage one would have been included in your scoring over the course of the weekend, had it been like a complete weekend. So I think whether he's, like, filling holes and stuff versus making it on its own, a standalone competition will be... would definitely have some impact on the outcome.
0: Yeah, I that's a, definitely an interesting point. If, uh, if we're starting fresh, um, or if we're, yeah, we have seven events already kind of in the bag, and let's see what else can be programmed.
1: Yeah. No, so yeah, the women's side, everyone's, like again spread out in age with uh, Haley Adams at 19 and Carrie Pierce at 31 but then the other three are nestled in there at 25 26 and 27. Um, A little bit larger spread in terms of what the body type would sort of be with Carrie at 5'3 and Katrin at 5'7 but then Tia's 128 pounds and Brooke and Katrin are both 150 pounds so that's 22 pound kind of Range which is a bit larger than the 10 on the men, but they do all have very different body styles and types kind of within that range. So, I don't think that that really, I don't think anyone will have a leg up based on their size.
0: Yeah, you know, if you told me on the men's side that there's a 28 pound range between you know athletes, I think you would see an advantage there, but. Tia is the the smallest athlete on the field, but then, you know, still had a 313 pound front squat to win the event. Um, you know, that really doesn't seem like a a difference maker on the women's field.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and nothing's normalized by bo- body weight, so she won't have an even bigger advantage. So, yeah. So that's the men and women's field. One thing that's being debated out there in the world is whether it will be a runaway for Tia and Matt.
0: The fact that Fraser's good at everything, um, you know, I think we're probably going to see at least on the men's side a runaway. Um, from the women's side, it'll be more um, the event composition that's going to dictate what the the gap is.
1: I think it'll probably be a runaway just based on the number of event wins that Tia and Matt generally accrue over the course of the weekend.
0: Yeah, you know it you know I, I think it would be kind of surprising not to see Tia and Matt in the top three of an event like, yeah that'd I think it's super weird it, it, they could go the whole weekend without you know being in the top three finishing an event you know as the weekend progresses that things get out of hand um, you might see somebody go James Newberry on an event <laughs> and go full send. like you know if you know, not to just pick these guys out, but you know, if you're Jeffrey Adler, um, you might not be, you might find yourself kind of on the outside looking in on the Sunday, but if there's a cash prize for an event win, like, you know, why not, you know, go full send and, you know, take an event and, you know, have that, um, have that to your name and then you're going to struggle in the next one. So, um, and you, we might find something that, you know, maybe these uh, athletes aren't good at um, and they know they're not good at it, that, yeah, you know, they will give it all in, you know, the first half of a couplet and, um, you know, take the event win, get the 100 points and the win and um, suffer for the next one.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay. Into who we think is going to land in what spot. Okay, so for the men's side, I'm going to go Fraser, obviously. Based on our last bit, we think he's probably going to win. Um, the next two was tougher. But I'm just really excited for Medeiros. And I, I do honestly think he'll get into that number two spot. Just squeezing out Noah into number three. And then Quan Nadler, I wasn't sure. I know Adler likes a heavy barbell, but part of me thinking is thinking Quant might be a bit more well-rounded. So I'm going to put Samuel Quant in fourth and Jeffrey Adler in fifth.
0: Okay. You know, we're the podium. We have the same. Um, We've got Frazier, um, the Medeiros. You know, the one thing I think just having age on his side, I think over the course of the weekend is going to give him a, that point up. Um and just, you know, having that kind of rookie mindset, like he doesn't know any better when he goes into some of these events. Um, and so just to have the ability to go full send and recover from it, I think we'll give him that leg up on Noah Olson. Uh, in fourth place, I had Jeffrey Adler, um, you know, just looking actually in the, the first round of the events, um, out of, you know, the f- seven events, um, he finished third among the top five in five of them. So... He wasn't, you know, the top of the leaderboard or any of them, but he was just steady over the course of the weekend that um, I think just, if he continues that, I think I would see him in fourth. And then, um, you know, Sam Quant running out the the top five there. You know, on the women's side, so I have Tia Toomey in first. um, Then really the next place could be a toss-up for me, but... um, had Carrie Pierce second, uh Katrin's David's daughter third, uh Haley Adams fourth, and you know, Brooke Wells um finishing fifth. You know, the they're all tremendous athletes, but you know, for me, um, you know, looking back at Wadapaloozes this year, four of them competed, when I think, without a back injury at that point. Um, where we saw kind of a broader range of events that I would kind of expect to see at the games. Um, you know, the the finishing between the four was To me Pierce. Um, Adams well, so I kind of expect that to, to fall again um, based off the competition um, programming.
1: Well, we may match on the men's, but we do not on the women's. So the women's, we both have Tia first. I put Brooke getting second. I think she's got the most skin in the game to prove it. That prove that she should be there, get that podium... I just think there's a lot of drive. Like she's hungry and wants it. She's moved. She set up training partners. Like, I think she's in it to get second, not really win it. But you know. And then, I think Catherine also. I think she'll. I think Catherine will round out the top three. Um, and then the other two, Carrie and Haley. They could have flip flopped. Either way, I don't really have a specific reason to put Carrie over Haley. Um, I just know she's got a bit more experience. She's got all of her tips and tricks to handling a live competition down pat. So I put Carrie in fourth and then Haley in fifth.
0: All right. Well, it's going to be exciting to uh, to see what plays out um, at the, the finals at the ranch. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Before we sign off, remember to play our free Fantasy CrossFit Games on fantasyfitnessing.com. For the CrossFit Games final, we have a first prize of a $100 gift card from United Lifters. Check them out at unitedlifters.com or on Instagram at unitedlifters. As for us, you can also find us on Instagram at fantasyfitnessing. Thanks again and have a great day.